Well, thank you, Bishop, for having me and my family over. We are sitting here uh, getting ready to travel up to the frigid, snowy north. So we were happy to be able to come down here and, and escape from the snow. But uh, we thought while we were here we'd do a special live episode of Living Through the Word since we had the team together in one location. Yeah, that's rare. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Someone spent a fair amount of time this last uh, month in New Zealand, so that made pairing up uh, even yes, more I'm sorry difficult. sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to talk about that, I think, uh, in this episode. But um, great having you here in Virginia, uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. You've been uh, to Richmond. You've uh, seen um, multiple um, historic sites uh, of... Uh, the great Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah, um, and we we went down and we we uh, at the bishop's recommendation. And <laughs> I wanted to thank him for this, even though uh, it placed me in tears. Um, following the first reason for us visiting, which was to see you finish your your marathon, my eighth marathon. I thought it was my ninth. <laughs> actually, as I did the arithmetic and looked at the history, it's actually only marathon number eight. Yes. And congratulations, a personal record, correct? Thank you, yes. Personal best time in Richmond. So hometown marathon, good to run my personal best in my home state. At at your recommendation, uh, we went and visited the site of the slave market in Richmond. And um, that was a tough time for me to go down there and see the legacy of of a dark time in in our nation's history. Uh, So um, I kind of want to thank you, Bishop, for forcing me to make that journey down. Um, But as you mentioned, if we forget our history, we are are doomed to repeat it. So I don't think that's an original quote to you. (laughs) No, no, it's not. It's a quote um, from multiple others, a person who has spoken so very well uh, about remembering the darker sides of the history of our great country uh, is former Secretary of State uh, Condoleezza Rice. Uh, It's worth people Googling her interviews uh, at the time when people were uh, covering up statues. Uh, On the Richmond Marathon, I ran uh, down um, Monument Mile, uh, and we passed uh, some of those statues, um, one or two of 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 those uh, men honoured in those statues, um, uh, cause grief and pain uh, in our nation. Uh, Condoleezza Rice reminds us how important it is that we remember rather than negate and sterilise our history. And so going down to see the uh, slave market site, uh, uh, reminding ourselves, teaching our children that there was a dark time uh, in our nation uh, when we sold human beings one to the other. And uh, we thank God that here that has been eradicated. It hasn't been eradicated all around the world. Uh, and it's something that I'm, uh, I'm concerned about. The gospel uh, uh, requires us to be concerned about it. Uh, but we don't need to negate our past, sterilize it, mm-hmm. um, get rid of it. We need to learn from it and remember it and recognize uh, our past has helped shape who we are today and who we will be in the days to come. Speaking of the past, mm. <laughs> you 
were doing something in New Zealand that looked awfully similar to what has been done in the past. Uh, would you talk to us a little bit about uh, what happened on your trip, why you were there, and uh, who you were with and what you were doing? Well, I had the great privilege of being back in New Zealand with Brenda. Uh, we had the opportunity, obviously, to see our parents, which is an incredible gift. Living uh, on the other side of the world from your uh, immediate family is never easy. Uh, and so being back in New Zealand, this was my longest visit back to New Zealand since I left there 13 years ago. Uh, we also had the privilege of being um, uh, involved in the uh, consecration, the ordination of a new Anglican bishop, Bishop J. Bean, who in fact is going to be a guest on this, uh, this podcast and um, in a future episode. And uh, Jay was elected by the um, Fellowship of Confessing Anglicans of uh, Aotearoa New Zealand to be their first bishop. Uh, his is a uh, uh, special Gafcon diocese. He's uh, directly responsible and accountable to the Primates Council of Gafcon um, until a province is set up in that part of the world. Uh, uh, he will tell us more about that, so watch out for that uh, interview when it comes up. Uh, but to be there back in a country uh, uh, that uh, I, has shaped my life um, and in a church that was uh, so generous to me, uh, being able to stand alongside those who are faithful to Christ uh, in the context in which they're in, uh, which has required them, as we did in North America, to step aside of the uh, national church and uh, establish a new branch of uh, biblical, faithful, evangelical Anglicanism. So more about that when Bishop J.B. comes on the program, but do pray for him. Uh, pray not only for him, but for the other GAFCON um, jurisdictions uh, around the world. And, um, uh, of course, one of which is uh, our own Anglican Church in North America. Yes. One of our pastoral assistants uh, from the diocese has already mentioned that this feels like we now know what we're doing. Mm. When tragedy comes, we now have a response, and in some way that gives hope, because nobody wants to separate. No, that's true. Uh, separation, um, one from the other in the Christian community, uh, is to be avoided, except on very rare occasions. Mm -hmm. uh, and those occasions um, are not... Uh, 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 or the circumstances in which we separate are not the ones that we generally separate over. We generally leave our congregations because we don't like the music, the pastor has said something, we've taken offense, the church is not hot enough, we've found a better church down the road with a much more exciting children's program. And some of, some of those things are important, but they're not biblical reasons for us to separate ourselves from one another. Mm -hmm. uh, I suggest that there, there are... Um, uh, potentially four reasons in the Bible that we would initiate a separation from other Christians, one of which is if they, whoever they are, church leadership and others, are teaching false doctrine and another Christ. The New Testament is very clear on that occasion that there should not be uh, a continued fellowship um, uh, uh, as a result of those teaching another Christ uh, standing together with those who are. And that is why uh, we're in uh, impaired relationship in the Anglican communion, mm -hmm. because 
multiple bishops and archbishops and church councils and synods have endorsed biblical doctrine, um, endorsed biblical doctrine, uh, and others have created new doctrine. And the two just cannot meet together. And darkness and light do not entangle themselves together in a holy way. And so, yes, we've been there before. It's sad um, that there is schism and um, separation in the church, but there are matters over which we reluctantly divide from one another, and biblical truth and biblical inerrancy is one of those. Listen to the episode on Living Through the Word that I had the privilege of sharing with uh, the Reverend Matthew Kennedy, where we talked about these matters and the important place of the Bible among us. So where do you think GAFCON's heading now? Well, look, I'm very excited um, about the future of GAFCON. Um, I'm excited uh, to be part of GAFCON. Um, uh, I wasn't there in 2008. Um, I was uh, an observer on the sidelines because I was involved in another ministry, not directly within the Anglican Church, uh, but obviously uh, was deeply deeply excited by what happened in Jerusalem uh, and the Jerusalem Declaration, the Declaration of Faith that we now have in GAFCON. I'm thrilled that uh, our own Archbishop Foley Beach um, was elected by the primates to chair their council for the next season. Uh, and I believe Archbishop Foley is, is bringing uh, good leadership uh, to the mm. GAFCON movement, yes. and I'm, I'm thankful for him. Uh, where are we heading? Uh, uh, 2020, uh, the bishops of GAFCON have been invited to meet together in Kigali, in Rwanda. Uh, that will be a, 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 an important time for bishops to coalesce, to stand together, to encourage one another, um, uh, uh, and, 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 and to fellowship with one another. That's, that's important for us as bishops uh, within the GAFCON community. Uh, we've got growing numbers who are wanting to be part of us. Uh, and if you subscribe to the GAFCON social media feeds, which I encourage people to do, you'll, you'll get regular prayer updates, you'll get uh, Twitter updates from Archbishop Foley, um, gafcon.org, uh, and um, you can find out how to do that there. But I'm very excited, um, and, and I believe we need to do all that we can do, all of us, in whatever way we can do it, to strengthen the GAFCON movement. There are forces at work that will endeavor to weaken the structure of GAFCON. Uh, and so whatever we can do through prayer, through financial support, through standing together, through writing to archbishops and bishops to encourage them, uh, all of that is a good thing uh, for this, uh, uh, this new movement of faithful Anglicans around the world. Let's turn the discussion quickly to here in Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. I, I have a question for you that I prepped you for, you know, about 30 seconds before we pressed record. Um, maybe a little more difficult for me to ask because it is a personal question, but uh, we took a stand for truth, and, and that meant we separated from many who we formerly walked with. Unfortunately... The money didn't always come with us when that when that happened. Um, I am a bivocational pastor uh, at Church of the Holy Trinity in Syracuse, New York, underneath uh, my rector, Cal Bevins, who is a full-time rector. 
Um, so I am thankful that I work in a partnership with someone who is uh, a full-time rector. But I've noticed an increasing number of bivocational rectors within our diocese. Um, what words do you have to say to them? Is this, is this the normal? Is this status quo? Um, how do we support bivocational ministers in that? Um, how do we change the expectations on a rector? Sorry, there's about 17 questions I asked in that. <laughs> but Well, firstly, um, taking a stand for truth um, always has implications. Uh, some of those implications have been that uh, we're no longer in fellowship with people whom we love. Mm -hmm. uh, and that in itself is painful. Uh, there are um, other implications, uh, one being the loss of buildings, and many people know those stories around our own Anglican Diocese of the Living Word and throughout the province. Uh, others have been, as you rightly mentioned, that significant amounts of financial resources have been lost. And so therefore we have to think, is bivocational ministry, and by that we mean a rector or a clergy person or even a bishop, uh, needing additional employment to supplement their income so that they can fulfill the ministry to which God has called them. And so uh, around our diocese today, we have an increasing number of bivocational ministers because their congregations uh, don't have the financial stability or um, uh, background to be able to support them in full-time ministry. And that that's difficult because... Mm -hmm. Uh, it's difficult for me as bishop uh, for uh, the clergy in the diocese who are in that situation because um, their interests are divided. Their interests are divided because they can't be certain that their congregations are going to be able to afford the salaries uh, that they ought to be paid. The congregations are burdened because they know mm -hmm. that uh, one of the most um, uh, important things they need to do is ensure that their pastors are cared for and looked after. In fact, the New Testament teaches us this. So um, it's not that it's it's the new norm, but it's part of the new norm. Uh, there have been times in my own life and, and Brenda uh, throughout our, uh, our marriage where um, uh, we've been involved in bivocational ministry. I remember one time back in my New Zealand days uh, where Brenda worked night shift uh, to supplement the income uh, from our congregation because uh, in that context we were unable to financially uh, be secure on the um, salary the church was able to pay for us. Uh, and similarly here in the United States, there's been periods of time in my episcopacy where I have also had additional employment to help supplement um, what the diocese is able to pay. So, so, so these are challenging things. Um, I'm burdened by them in some regard and yet, um, we shouldn't be in others because we have models throughout the scripture where others, uh, like the Apostle Paul uh, and others, uh, had other employment um, that um, uh, supplemented or mm, enabled their ministry right. to be fulfilled. Uh, and yet, it's, it's, it's not been the regular or the normative for us. So uh, it's, it's challenging. And I say to people who have financial means, uh, it's an incredible investment 
to invest in the life of a minister of God's church, to empower that person to fulfill the vocation and call of God on their lives. And, and, and Brenda and I are fortunate that we have some people who give regularly to the diocese uh, uh, to enable our salary to be maintained. And uh, I'm grateful to those people because they see that as a, um, a, a, an investment of their financial ability to support others. Mm. And, and if there are people who, who have that ability, uh, who would like to know how they can support others, you can contact me directly. Mark will put a link to our office email and I'm very happy to have a conversation with you. But we've got some great pastors who, uh, whose ministry needs financially supporting. Yeah. You're a pastor to pastors. Um, when you have a man call you, says, Bishop, I'm very burnt out right now. What do you, what is, where do you usually start in that process? I know every situation is different. Every story has different players in it. But uh, when, you, when you have a, a rector, bivocational otherwise, what, what is your advice to him? Well, firstly, it's important for me to listen, uh, to um, endeavor to hear what circumstances have caused this level of uh, difficulty. Because sometimes... Not always, but sometimes we think we're at the end of the rope when we are not. And it's helpful to have a conversation with someone just slightly removed who can look at a situation and bring another perspective. Uh, I was taught as a young minister that if you always do what you've always done, you're likely to always get what you've always got. And so um, uh, I was also taught that um, uh, to quote my uh, dear friend and mentor, Archbishop Peter Akarnola, uh, who said, when God closes one door, he opens a window. And uh, so, so sometimes it's important to look to see if the window is open when one door is closed. Uh, other <laughs> times it's important to see uh, what is in, you, in God's other hand that he might be wanting to reveal to you. Uh, but then there are circumstances where the pressures of ordained ministry uh, and uh, uh, coupled with the pressures of life uh, uh, are significantly burdensome uh, for people in ministry. And, and one of the roles I have as bishop is to endeavor to care for those people mm -hmm. in that context. And we go about that in a, in a, in a caring way and in a pastoral way. Um, I, I hope that, and I've said this to the clergy, I hope that uh, I, I'm not going to be the last point of contact uh, it's difficult to, to support someone uh, uh, if you're the last port of call. It's always better to reach out early and say, um, I can see some warning signs happening for me. Uh, could we have a conversation and talk about that? Right. And uh, one of our speakers at the clergy retreat spoke quite extensively about that. Uh, Bishop Trevor Walters spoke about um, recognizing warning signs of burnout. And that's, that's so, so important because they're there in my life. They're there for all of us. Um, and, and we need to ensure that we've got boundaries around us, that we're able to say yes and no to circumstances that come across our lives, um, and that we find uh, mechanisms to deal with that pressure and that stress uh, uh, of, of, of life in the 21st century.
What do you do to enforce those boundaries in your life, to lower that stress? <laughs> does the bishop have stress in his life? He does, <laughs> uh, but he also has a wonderful wife ah. uh, uh, and um, uh, a wonderful team uh, of which you are a member. Uh, and the development of my team uh, with Brenda and our financial director, William Reynolds, um, uh, Philip Shade, and Mark and Colleen Steele have been a great gift to me, as well as our um, standing committee and diocesan officials, our chancellor and our diocesan secretary. Um, uh, but ultimately, and, and perhaps pr primarily, it is very important to ensure that you're in a right relationship with God, that first and foremost, you're spending time in God's word, that you're spending time in prayer. And you're developing a relationship with God because he is the one in those moments of pressure and stress. And, and these words are echoed and, and, and they're deliberately echoed uh, by Archbishop Cramner in our Anglican liturgies, who says, come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, those of you who are carrying heavy burdens, uh, and I will give you rest. And so the first place to deal with that is uh, in prayer, in Bible reading and taking good Christian counsel. But I do some physical things as well. Um, uh, on uh, Living Through the Word, you're going to hear um, an episode soon by uh, Dr. Sam Pappas. Actually, they'll have heard it last, last week, week at this point. Okay. So. <laughs> so, Dr. Pappas um, is a, a very close friend of mine who takes a serious interest in my uh, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that on that episode. So that is one mechanism. I also run. Um, uh, uh, running is a little bit for me like being away in a cathedral that I don't have yeah. um, I don't take my phone when I'm running to talk to people uh, and um, uh, it's the quiet still place where I can contemplate um, uh, the matters that are before me uh, I also place around me people who um, a small number of people who know that they have the ability to speak into my life and say to me the things that they need to say. So uh, Mark has access to my calendar, as does my assistant Phil Shade. So they know, for example, on Tuesday mornings, one of the appointments that I have is with a mentor of mine who asks me how I'm doing, who prays with me, who talks with me about my week. And uh, we together wrestle through some of the things that um, uh, are likely to be on my agenda. I also... Um, I said this at one synod when somebody asked me a similar question. <laughs> I, I've learned that the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, and the voice of my wife um, are very similar. <laughs> and so taking counsel from Brenda is a very important part of that. Do you take a day of Sabbath? I do. Uh, I schedule Mondays as my uh, quiet day. Uh, for me, my ministry involves a significant amount of travel. So generally, I'm traveling uh, later in the week. I'm back late on a Sunday night, sometimes in the very wee hours of, of a Monday morning. Uh, and so I tend to be very quiet if I can be uh, on a Monday. Um, I don't deliberately schedule appointments for Mondays. Mm -hmm. um, and, and my team know that. And, um, and so uh, Brenda and I try and be quiet. Uh, I, I read. At the moment, I'm, I'm reading a couple of books. Um, uh, one is a great book which I encourage people to read. I've mentioned this to our clergy, whether they're Calvinists or not. There's a fantastic book uh, called Humble Calvinism by Medes. Um, we'll put the, uh, the, um, the book in the um, show notes of the podcast. Really encourage people to read. It's a very easy read. Uh, and um, 
Uh, it reminds us how we ought to respond when we disagree with people over doctrine. Um, I had the privilege uh, last week of being in Washington, D.C. with Brenda and uh, one of my advisors, Archdeacon Alan Crippen. Alan works for the American Bible Society, and he had speaking at an event, uh, Mark David Hall, who's written a book called Did America Have a Christian Founding? And he spoke at length that evening about the book, which I've got a copy of. I haven't read it yet. It looks absolutely outstanding. Mine has been signed by him. Uh, but uh, listening to this uh, brother speak, um, uh, I encourage people to get a hold of those two books uh, and read them. Continuing with the tough, hard-hitting questions. Mm. Here's one that, that uh, is <laughs> you may want to avoid, but... Um, here it is anyhow. Um, social media. Yes. You're not on it that much. Well, that's because I have you. <laughs> um, I have you, and uh, I have other people that um, manage social media for me. Um, uh, and we've made a little bit of transition in 2019 that we have a social media account for the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. It's important people look at that, subscribe mm -hmm. it, like it, write great comments about uh, the diocese on there. Um, uh, I do have five, a, five star reviews, five right? Star five reviews. star reviews. That's, That's very, right very across important. the board, particularly for the Living Through the Word podcast. Yes, <laughs> um, and uh, also um, uh, I have a personal social media account. Uh, I tend to just post, um, not always, but personal um, uh, postings there. But uh, I, I'm not opposed to social media. Mm -hmm. I just find that some of the conversations and the way we have engaged with one another as Christians. Uh, on social media um, really has not been godly. Mm. And uh, one of the things that um, reading through uh, Meda's book called Humble Calvinism has done for me is reminded me how I must disagree with others and the manner in which I disagree with them uh, will either glorify Christ or will not. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, my plea to people is... Um, Multiple fold, really. Uh, be careful on social media. Um, not everything you see there is accurate and true. Uh, don't seek your identity through the amount of Facebook likes that you have or your self-worth. That's a very dangerous thing, especially for our young people to run straight to social media to find how many likes they've got on their postings. Um, you are loved by Christ uh, uh, so much that he gave his life for you. And in him we must seek our identity and our self-worth. Um, uh, secondly, be very careful when you see something uh, that irritates you. Um, and don't respond immediately. <laughs> my my own wife will. There will be a time when she'll walk by my office and she'll hear the keyboard. Just there's a particular angry sound that comes when I'm responding. She'll walk in and remind me. Does this need to be written? Yeah, I think that's a very wise thing. Show it to somebody else. Yes. Similarly with text messages. Once you've said things um, in social media and uh, on the internet today, they're there forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so um, uh, as I read uh, the book of Proverbs, uh, there are a significant amount of scriptural warrant that remind us to keep our mouths shut uh, as opposed to keeping our mouth open. Yes. <laughs> and I'm also reminded with identity. Um when I am on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I can be the face of sinless perfection. But those that are around me know that that is not the reality, that I am a sinner in need of Christ daily. Um, and, and that 
that conversation seems to be lacking. Two more hard-hitting questions, and then I'm going to head up north. <laughs> I feel this is one area where the emotions are going to guide me. I feel that it's time to head back into the snow and wind and cold. Before we do, maybe the most controversial questions. Uh, one is English Marmite versus New Zealand Marmite. No, 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 no. There's, there's just no comparison. I have introduced Deacon Mark Steele and his family to the best Marmite in the world. Those people who have been in my home in Manassas know that I have a stash of Marmite from New Zealand. It is the best and only Marmite that one should use. Uh, it enabled me to run my personal best marathon last weekend. I'm sure it was a result of the Marmite. My own, my own personal testimonial. Um, <laughs> the Bishop and Brenda have my 19-month-old daughter yes. now addicted to, to Bring it on. New Zealand Marmite, and we're wondering now how to keep her in supply. Uh, second controversial hard-hitting question <laughs> is, as uh, I've joined the, the diocesan staff, I've, I've gotten to know you better, and I've learned a few things about you. One of the few things I've learned about you is your favorite ice cream flavor. Yes. And I learned about your favorite ice cream <laughs> flavor and said, what is this? So your favorite ice cream flavor is called Hokey Pokey. Hokey Pokey. Yeah. And it's it's made in New Zealand. It's very difficult to buy in the United States. So uh, uh, our Chancellor, Raymond Daig, uh, was also at the GAFCON consecration in New Zealand of Bishop Bean, and I introduced him to Hokey Pokey, and I think that he is now um, addicted. And so um, uh, Hokey Pokey is a fantastic ice cream made in New Zealand. There's a particular brand of it you need to get, and it's filled with this sugar, toffee, spectacular thing, and um, uh, it's just delightful. Sounds like we need to start a business importing New Zealand delicacies into the United States. Absolutely. Just to support the bishop. <laughs> well, Bishop, thank you so much for your time. And uh, this has been Living Through the Word. I've been Mark Steele. And I've been Julian Dobbs. 